the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, it is, and a great morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us at nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. We are live on a Tuesday morning. The 27th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. I hope you had a glorious Christmas celebration over the weekend. It's kind of nice to have that uh, that longer celebration because if Christmas falls on a Sunday, obviously the federal holiday for, the, for Christmas would be yesterday. That's why we were off, of course, and brought you the... Uh, the uh, wonderful uh, Christmas in America uh, that we do every year on Christmas Day. Uh, so yet an extra day to celebrate the real reason for the season, and I hope it was glorious for you. Uh, I certainly enjoyed that time with my family, and I'm so glad to be back on the air this morning. As a matter of fact, I'm so glad to be back. I'm going to do a little extra work this week. I have gotten the new invitation, the first one in a bit now, from Dr. G. On Friday, I will be hosting... America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka live for the first time in a while, and certainly for the first time since Dr. G told his national audience he has no idea who I am. (laughs) Dispute over, what was it over for crying out loud? It had something to do with President Trump or another. I can't remember exactly what it was, but then I went on with Dr. G that day 
or the next day, I should say, we clarified everything, and uh, I was very nice to get the text message from the doctor yesterday asking me if I'd be willing to sit in for him this Friday, and I said, absolutely, let's, let's make that happen. So that's good. That'll make up for yesterday's miss show. I don't like to miss time to talk. I know. Everybody needs vacation. And I take vacation from time to time, or I take days off like I did to go down to Florida and watch my son and his uh, Toledo Rockets win the Boca Raton Bowl last week. Um, but I don't like missing work. Even though it's vacation when you're off work, it's supposed to be a good thing. I feel like I'm behind because I'm missing something that happened that I need to know about, that I need to be able to, to discuss intelligently uh, with this audience. <clears throat> so um, I'll make up for yesterday's Miss Show on Christmas Day celebrated, federal holiday-wise, uh, by having the Dr. G Show on Friday. I will have, we'll have the same number of shows that we normally do. By the way, to the good people at Spectrum, how about you get off of your ace and get the job done? The Internet has been out in my home since 5.45 a.m. Um, Friday. So if we do the math there, 5.45 to 5.45 Saturday is a full 24-hour day, to 5.45 Sunday is now two full days, to 5.45 yesterday, three full days, 5.45 this morning made it four full days, and no end in sight to the Internet outage. I know we had a storm. I know it got cold. I know what the wind chill factors, they said it went down to like minus 22, 23, things like that. The regular temperature was around, you know, minus four, um, and we got some snow. Well, guess what? It's going to be 50 by Friday or Saturday. 56, I think, by Saturday. It's thawing. It's already getting better. How do you not have the lines repaired or whatever equipment snapped in the cold? Do you not have it repaired by now? Goodness gracious. Uh, it is very, very difficult in 2022 to be without an Internet service provider, even for things like television. Because many people, most people, dare I say, I don't know what the numbers show, cut the quote-unquote satellite or cable cord a long time ago and just stream uh, their television providers through their, you know, through their Internet uh, and through their Wi-Fi, and that's what we do. So it's it's been a little bit brutal. So if you're suffering through some of this stuff like I am, Know that I feel your pain uh, because uh, it is uh, it is a mess for for us too. All right, coming up on the program this morning, we've got a double hitter for you. Since we were off yesterday, which is normally Jim Jordan Day, that means today, yes, is Jim Jordan Day. So Jim Jordan will be coming up at nine thirty-five this morning. Looking forward to that conversation. And then at ten ten, yeah, it's Tuesday. We start our week with a Kirstenau Day, which is a beautiful thing as well. So Jordan and Kirstenau back to back. Here on AM 1420, the answer this morning. Now, I'm going to disagree with my friend Hugh Hewitt on a couple of uh, points here this morning. Particularly, uh, well, two very important points. Number one, on the news cycle. Uh, You know, Hugh's been doing this for a long time. So have I. He talks about the week between Christmas and New Year's being kind of a news black hole. There's not much to talk about. I disagree. I have a packed show filled with all kinds of very important information that we need to discuss, including Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, doing what needs to be done to shine a spotlight on the immigration crisis going on down in Texas and going on down along our southern border. He sent more busloads of migrants who volunteered to go to Washington to Kamala Harris's home in Washington, D.C., on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Hello? Anybody there? 
Madam Vice President, can we come in? And, of course, Kamala Harris, believing in no borders, should have opened her door right up, right? She doesn't believe in borders. She doesn't believe in anybody having to. Uh, all they have to do is claim they're seeking asylum, and you'll let them all right in. Hope she, hopefully she let those 120 people into her basement. 130, actually. Oh, no, it looks like she didn't. Looks like they had to be sent down to a church, a nearby church, for shelter there. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about that. That's an important story. The omnibus travesty passed. That's an important... Oh, that's the other part of the uh, Hugh Hewitt news. So, first of all, Hugh Hewitt said uh, this morning, there's not much news. I'm going to disagree with my friend there, although he put on a very entertaining show talking about George Santos, and we'll talk about that, too. There is a lot of news to get into, uh, and a lot of it is year-end news, and that's important as well. A lot of it has to do uh, with the Department of Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary Richard Levine calling on big tech companies to censor people who call him Richard Levine. Censor, quote, misinformation about, quote, gender-affirming care for kids on the Internet. This is becoming a massive post-Christmas story. We're going to talk about that, too. Believe me when I tell you, we have a lot of very important news to get into. Um, so I disagree with you on that one. I'm also going to disagree with him on what he said with Tom Cotton. He had Tom Cotton on this morning, Senator from Arkansas. I like Tom Cotton a lot. Two weeks ago, if you'd have asked me who was in my top tier of candidates for president in 2024, Tom Cotton's name would have been in there. I would have had the names of DeSantis and Trump and uh, Tim Scott and maybe Christy Nome uh, and, yes, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz. There would have been, you know, my top tier probably would have consisted of of those individuals. Tim Scott, I like a lot. Christy Nome. There may be a little bit longer shots, but... Uh, I would have thrown Tom Cotton in there, too, if he'd have said he was interested. Mike on Pompeo has always impressed me, too. But, to, but uh, first of all, Tom Cotton is not running. He made that announcement. And second of all, after he voted for and explained to Hugh Hewitt this morning why he voted for the omnibus spending monstrosity, the disaster, the completely fiscally irresponsible piece of trash that 18 Senate Republicans voted for, including Cotton, then sent it over to the House a Democrat-controlled House, rather than waiting until January, and it could have been sent over to a Republican-controlled House. Tom Cotton said he voted for it for uh, the defense aspect of it, and Hugh Hewitt said, yeah, I would have voted for it too. Sorry, Hugh, my good friend. Uh, No, no, no. If it wasn't completely breaking protocol, I would have called in myself as a caller, but that's kind of not something that talk show hosts do is they don't call one another shows unless they're invited guests. Uh, but no, and we're going to talk about Tom Cotton, and we're going to talk about why that is this morning as well. The George Santos story is a very interesting one we're going to hit, too. George Santos is one of the new members of the new Congress that is going to start in uh, next month. George Santos was represented, or excuse me, was elected uh, as a representative of New York from New York's third congressional district, and apparently, uh, the man is um, has a, has an interesting, complicated relationship with the truth. Apparently, he lied about his college experiences that he had any college experiences. He lied about his religion. He lied about a whole host of things on his professional resume that he just said he exaggerated. And now the left wants him gone. They want him replaced. They want to have a special election because he lied and shouldn't have won the election because if he, if the truth would have been known, they never would have elected him in what is largely a Democrat district. And that may be true, by the way. It may be true. But then again, whose job is it to find out whether a candidate is on the up and up? 
Whose job is it to find out when somebody's lying? It's called vetting your opposition, right? Sometimes it's called oppo research. Did anybody look into when they were running against George Santos, who and what he was? If they didn't, well, then guess what? It's buyer beware, is it not? And better yet, while the left clutches those pearls and wrings their hands over the idea that this disgraceful liar who ran for Congress and won, despite him not being a college graduate and not working at two major financial institutions, which he said he did, as they just cry into their soup over this, I say to you, we should be excited. With a record of lying about his own history like that, he could be elected president someday. Just look at the current president. Just listen to the the myriad of plagiarism and lies about his resume, about his record, about his grades, about his place in law school. Joe Biden has been lying to the American people for 50 public years. And he's president. So I say, George Santos, huzzah! You're off to a great start. Just keep this up for a couple more decades and run for president, and you could be elected. So how about that? A lot of ground to cover this morning. A lot of interest, interesting stories to uh, get into. I welcome your phone calls, 216-901-0945, Don't forget, Jim Jordan at 935, Peter Kersenow at 1010. And now, before we take our first time out of the morning, I'm going to ask you to rise. Patriots, please stand. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for a pledge of allegiance. If you are a believer in the Biden presidency, the omnibus spending bill that he pushed, that the Democrats and the Republicans joined forces to pass, really clarifying the existing of the uniparty that so many people speak of, if you believe that that is what is best for this country, then you don't understand what that flag represents in this country. As such, you are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. Take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is a Tuesday on Always Right Radio. Join us at 216-901-0945. Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer. Nine twenty-five now. Always right. Radio and AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's get a couple of phone calls before we get to Congressman Jordan coming up at nine thirty-five after the news. TJ up early post Christmas first call. TJ, good morning. What's up, my friend? Good morning, Bob. Yeah, you know this attack on what's that DeSantos there with uh, budging his uh, past. Yeah. Uh, you know what gets me about the media and the left? They had nothing to say about Elizabeth Warren, who got ahead strictly by saying she was an American Indian. That's okay. Or how about, uh, who's that, Senator Blumenthal? Not only did he lie about being in Vietnam, he actually made himself out to be a hero, that he saved people's lives and stuff. But that's okay with the media and the left. But let somebody on our side do that, and right away it's the worst thing that ever happened. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I condemned those things. I condemned Joe Biden, and I condemned George Santos. He shouldn't have done those things either. But I, I will agree. say also, again, it is up to his opponents, and it's up to the media if they're if they're interested to vet candidates before they. You know, every every newspaper uh, issues you know their slate of who they recommend for for elections. Every newspaper, including the Plain Dealer, and they do it in the New York papers as well. Guess what? If you didn't vet the guy and you didn't say, hey, so hold on a second, he claimed he graduated from X University and that he worked for Goldman Sachs, we can find no record of that whatsoever, then report it. Or better yet, his candidate, or excuse me, his opponent should have reported it. They didn't do their homework. This guy's full of crap. He got elected. I condemn it, but you know what? Buyer beware. And, and, and you know, the problem with that is Warren and Blumenthal were vetted. People knew about that before uh, they were elected, but, you know, their side not elected these point. people anyways. That's right. They've been reelected even after their scams were caught. That's a very good point. TJ, thank you for the call, brother. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Let's go to Berea next. And Sally is up early with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Bob. I had an energetic disagreement with a friend regarding the illegals that were sent to Kamala Harris's home. She thought that it was unforgivable because it was cold and it was a stunt. Well, I agreed that it was a stunt, but I thought it was brilliant. Nobody pays any attention. There hasn't been adequate publicity from the administration about it. Well, this got some. And the facilities in Texas are being overwhelmed and they, they need some assistance. And anything that can be done to tell the federal government that, hey, you got to do something, I thought it was great. Well, you know what, Sally? I agree with you wholeheartedly. It absolutely was a stunt. And it was, and thank you so much for the call. Uh, but stunts are what get attention. You're right. Nobody's paying attention to it because Biden refuses to go down to the border. He refuses to go down because then the cameras will follow him, the news will follow him, and then he'll have to explain away why it is such a disaster zone and why it is so chaotic and why it is so dangerous, why it's a humanitarian crisis, why it is a national security crisis. All of those things he would then have to explain. So is it a stunt to get attention? You better believe it. And why not send them to Kamala Harris's home? She's the one who was supposed to be in charge of the border. And for two years now, she has ignored the border, completely and wholly ignored her responsibility there, except to say that she doesn't mind that people continue to flow across it. So why not let them flow across her doorway into her home, drop them off there, and make them, make Kamala Harris and the D.C. officials deal with this for just a little bit. A small, tiny fraction of what the officials down in Texas have to deal with every day. I'll tell you how I feel about this. I saw a, t- a tweet this morning from the walking, talking fraud that, fraud that is uh, Jerry Rivers. Jerry Rivers long ago changed his name to Gerardo Rivera. Geraldo Rivera is more Hispanic-sounding, so he wanted to embrace that part of his culture or that part of his ethnic makeup. So Jerry Rivers became Geraldo Rivera, and here's what Jerry Rivers said today on Twitter. Migrants dropped off at the VP's house. Once again, humans reduced to props in a political prank. Lowbrow. You claim Christianity? What would Jesus say? Here's what I responded on Twitter to to, uh, Jerry Rivers. Do you live in Texas? No, you don't. So you have no idea what it's like for people in that state to be overrun by 8,000 illegal alien crossings per day. Texans are not political props either, you ignorant clown. 
And I think every single word of that is accurate, except that I would underscore and boldface clown if Twitter would allow me to do that. Jim Jordan joins us after the news on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 937. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thank you so much for being with us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's welcome our good friend, Congressman Jim Jordan, back to us just for the, I think, for the last time as the uh, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Next time we talk, he should be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Hope uh, hope you and your family had a great Christmas. Good to be with you. We did indeed, and I hope uh, the same for you. So we've got some headlines, Congressman Jordan. I always like to look up your name to kind of see what they're saying about you before I decide what questions I want to ask you during our weekly segments. <laughs> and, and boy, this one grabbed my attention right from the start. Matt Gates urges Jim Jordan uh. to challenge Kevin <laughs> McCarthy for House Speaker. And I can tell you, a lot of your constituents feel the same way. I'm one of them. I'm in your, your district, of course, for now. Uh, not uh, after the new Congress takes effect, of course. But uh, a lot yeah. of folks here in Ohio want to see you uh, uh, make a push for that as well. And you've done it before. What are your thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm for uh, Leader McCarthy. I think he has done a, as we've talked about before, Bob, done a great job of keeping our team um, together and focused on, you know, stopping the crazy left and the Biden administration from some of the, some of the things they, they keep trying to do. So, um, I want Kevin to win. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens on uh, in a week from today, but uh, I think we're gonna come together and he's gonna be the next speaker. And then it's all about, as you and I have talked, it's about passing legislation that that the American people want us to pass, uh, showing the country what we're for, and then we'll see what uh, the you know the Chuck Schumer run Senate and Joe Biden administration do with it. But if they don't pass it then we're still going to do the investigations that need to be done to get the truth to the American people um, and focus on the appropriations process as well. So that's what I want to do. I think Kevin's the right guy to lead us, and we'll, uh, we'll know that next, uh, next Tuesday when, when I do think we can, we can come together and get that done. Well, um, I, I certainly look forward to those investigations and using the subpoena power that comes with the chair and all the rest that you're, yep. that you're looking to do for oversight. But um, I, I can't let that go that easily because it was literally just last night. I would imagine you've made your intentions clear to Mr. Gates uh, and others. And just literally last yep. night, New York Post, 16 hours ago, in fact, reports Matt Gates publicly urging Jim Jordan. So uh, why do you think he's publicly doing this if you have made your intentions clear about Leader McCarthy? You know, I, you'd have to ask Matt. Matt's a friend, and he's a great man. I know he's your he's friend. That's the reason I asked, yeah. And, 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 and um and anyone who's seen Matt in, in in operation committee, one of the sharpest guys, one of the best debaters and cross examiners you can have in in a, in a legislative body. So uh, we appreciate Matt, but um, for some reason Matt's not for for Leader McCarthy, um, but I am, and I think um, you know I've said this many times. I, it seems to me the guy that gets to the Super Bowl should get to coach the game, and Kevin has been the leader of our team uh, over the last four years. When we've picked up seats in each election, we took back the majority. Again, not by the not by the numbers we had hoped, but we still got the majority, and I think it's in our best interest not to have this this um, this fight and this this activity on January third, but instead just to get the speaker elected and get right to work doing what the American people uh, what the American people elected us to do. So. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, but I, I'm hopeful that's what's going to happen. Why do you suppose then? Last question on this, um, not about you anymore. Um, why do you suppose there is such resistance to Kevin McCarthy, as you say, the coach who got you here, 
uh, coaching in the big game because there, you know, there are a lot of folks, not just your name, obviously with Matt Gates, but you know, Andy Biggs has talked about this. Um, uh, there's, you know, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania literally said, if we have the yeah. vote right now, he does not have the 218, and this could get messy on January 3rd. Why do you think there is a resistance within the party to to just letting McCarthy step up? You know, you'd have to you have to talk more specific, uh, I guess, with each of those individuals specifically. The, um, you know, I, I just I just focused on this guy has kept us together, and I focused on frankly. Um, the difference between the leadership or lack of leadership we had under previous Republican leaders mm-hmm. compared to to Kevin, and I think he's just done such a better job. And, and again, I one of the ones I always point to is what happened during the first impeachment. Because Bob, remember the conventional wisdom when that thing started, and they filed those articles. Uh, the, the conventional wisdom in, in the House of Representatives was that every single Democrat would vote to impeach uh, President Trump, and, th- and that a bunch of Republicans would join him. And after we went through that four-month intense debate and the deposition, all the things we had to do, um, we came out of that uh, with every single Republican in the House voting not to impeach President Trump, several Democrats joining us in that vote, and one Democrat switching party and has now been a member, been reelected twice as, as a Republican. That all happened, I think, because Leader McCarthy was able to help unite our team and focus on the task at hand and standing up to the Democrats. And what I always try to emphasize, and many of these guys are my buddies in the Freedom Caucus, good friends of mine, mm-hmm. I try to tell them, I, I say, guys, uh, any difference that exists between conservative members of the, of the House and more moderate members uh, of the Republican conference pale, pale in comparison to the differences between Republicans <clears throat> and the left, which now controls the Democrat Party. And we need to figure out how we can stick together to stop what the left is trying to do to this country. That should be of paramount importance, and that's what I try to focus on. And I think what's best to do that is for us to come together next Wednesday and, and get this election done and have Kevin as the, as the Speaker of the House. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Tuesday, but it's our first show of the week as we had the federal holiday celebrated yesterday. So, Congressman, um, let's talk a little bit about the committee. The, your your GOP committee, the group of five, five who were not allowed to be on the January 6th Select Committee, uh, yeah. sent your 141-page report out last week. You and I talked about it briefly on Thursday. Uh, I want to ask you about the official report, the January 6th committee report that has referred you and a few other Republican colleagues to the House Ethics Committee for what they call your role in the insurrection, claiming you had meetings prior to January 6th that may have encouraged uh, uh, um, uh, people to get on social media and rally people to the Capitol on January 6th and that that played a role in the quote-unquote insurrection um, in my view, it's a hit piece because that's what they usually write about you. But I do want to give yeah. you a chance to respond to it. Well, no, it's ridiculous. The country knows this committee is purely a political operation. It had been that way from the get-go, as evidenced by the fact that in the first time in American history, they wouldn't let Republicans serve on a select. Well, excuse me, wouldn't let the the individuals that the that the minority leader had selected for a select committee. First time it's ever happened in American history. Um, nothing in this that, this that they put out is new. Uh, but what, what, what I, I always emphasize about this committee is we've caught them in umpteen lies. I mean, the, the one I always point out that we caught them would be in the, one of their productions that they call the committee hearing, one of their productions where they had you know, hired a, a choreographer to put this together, a producer from some, from some a Hollywood producer or whatever. One of these produ- they played a video clip of me talking uh, uh, on a, I think it was a Fox News hit, where in the clip that they played, it quoted me as saying, 
January 6th is the most is, a, is the most significant date in the presidential election contest. And what they left out of that clip was what I said right before that, which is pretty important in, 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 to keep things in context and to, and to convey the truth. What I said before that is the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg said January 6th is the ultimate date of significance in a presidential context. That, uh, that sort of changes the meaning. But they left that off because they're trying to serve and represent the American Uh-oh. people. That, that, that is the problem. So um, this committee is I, – I think the country has figured it out. This thing is political and partisan, and so many things that they've presented to the country have not been accurate, have not been factual. Um, I want to hit one other point on that and let you respond to that, too. Newsweek's characterization of the January 6th official committee report, the 845 pages of – trash as far as i'm concerned but uh, newsweek says the committee's report also says jordan spoke with trump by phone at least twice on january 6th but has provided inconsistent public statements about how many times they spoke and what they discussed have you gone public with what you and the president talked about on january 6th and how do you respond to that i I don't of course i talked to him i said that and i've talked Mm -hmm. to him i I couldn't remember how many times because i talked to the president all the time uh but i've been i've been clear about that's been news for a year and a half frankly um, but yeah, I talked to the president that day and, and, uh, um, I couldn't remember how many times I know it was more than once, but I can't remember how many times it was exactly. But yeah, we, we, I, I talked that day. That's, that's nothing new. That's been news for, for a year and a half, but as if you're not allowed to talk, I mean, think about it. You're in the legislative body. You're not allowed to talk to the president of the United States when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about what, what you're going to say on January 6th during the debate that was so important. The same debate that, that, that has happened every year and, and for every time a Republican's been elected president this century, Democrats have objected on, they objected on January 6, 2001. They objected on January 6, 2005. They objected on January 6, 2017. I mean, Jamie Raskin objected, who's on the committee, objected on January 6, 2017 to the state of Florida. J- Jim McGovern, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee, objected on January 6, 2017. To the state of Alabama, a state President Trump won by like 30 points. So he's allowed to object to Alabama, but I'm not allowed to, in a debate where we're supposed to debate this thing, object to what took place in Pennsylvania where they unconstitutionally changed their election law in the run-up to the election. We're not allowed to talk about that? Are you kidding me? So, of course, I talked to my colleagues about the debate we were going to have on January 6th because, as the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, it's the ultimate date of significance in a presidential contest, and you're supposed to have a debate that day. We would not be doing our job if we didn't uh, raise concerns about how the election was conducted in certain states. So this, is, this just shows you how ridiculous this report is and how, how they could, they're allowed to object, but, oh, we're not. This is so ridiculous. And, again, I think the country has figured it out. Well, Congressman, nobody asked me, but I'll tell you this. If they really were interested so much in what your role was in what happened leading up to January 6th and what went on on January 6th, then they should have let you serve on the committee for January 6th. (laughs) Then they could have heard from you full time. All I mean, that was their choice. So, you, you know go. why they didn't do it, Bob? Because they didn't want they didn't want us making the very argument, the very the very case I just made to you here to your to your listeners. They didn't want that to be said in these choreographed productions they put it on that they that they called a committee hearing. First time in American history where a committee of Congress did not have cross examination ability that to, to, to take place. They didn't. No one ever cross examined a witness. It was all a production. There was no what's supposed to happen in a committee hearing where you get real – you get to the truth by having a cross-examination element as part of that hearing. That is part of the American system of justice. First time it didn't happen, and they're supposed to like 
say they're issued this report and we're supposed to take this report seriously, you've got to be kidding me. Congressman, two two other quick ones. Uh, former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance went on with, uh, I think it was MSNBC, and said that your planned investigations that you were talking about, particularly with respect to the FBI and their role in so many of the things that uh, that we saw uh, in the last two years with respect to investigating President Trump and also with what they did in influencing and, in fact, maybe coercing social media platforms and leaders to censor certain viewpoints and to uh, uh, highlight others. She says that this is uh, this is going to be a big fail. Quote, if the goal here is to engage in some sort of political statement-making process trying to tag the FBI with failures for whatever reason, whether that be claims of bias during the investigation or claims of failure of inaction ahead of the January 6th insurrection, there will be issues. There always are. Law enforcement can always learn. There are always after-action reports that help us do our job better the next time. But ultimately, the American people... Uh, uh, have been activated to appreciate the fact that the blame is, as the committee says, for what happened on January 6th, rests with Donald Trump, not the FBI. So she says you're barking up the wrong tree by going after the FBI. Well, we're going to look at the FBI in a broad sense. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, this idea, the Democrats always <laughs> talk about, you know, uh, defending democracy. Well, for goodness sake, we now know for certain, you and I suspected it at the time, so did so many other Americans, but we now know for certain that big government colluded with big tech to keep information from the American people, valuable, critical information that we should have had access to as voters and citizens of this great country days before the most important election we have. We know that for a fact. So we're going to look at – we know for a fact that multiple, over a dozen whistleblowers have come to our office and talked to us about how – political the fbi and the justice department has become that is a fact these people have actually come to our office as fbi agents seeking whistleblower status we know that for a fact so we're going to investigate all this and get the truth to the american people and our report relative to uh specifically relative to to january 6th we talk about what took place there from the speaker's office and the coordination and and the, the meeting they were having with the sergeant of arms and how the how there wasn't a proper security posture that's the report that mr banks released last week so we're going we're gonna to dig into all that because we think it's important for the country to know the truth, and we're going we're gonna to make sure we do it. And we also think it's important for the FBI not to be putting their, their thumb on the scale. We think it's important that they actually do what the Constitution requires, treat people equally under the law, and that sure doesn't look like what they're doing now. I think my last question for you ties directly into that because I wanted to ask you about Friday's letter uh, that was sent to the FBI, a preservation notice, uh, seeking records on their role in Twitter, as I kind of mentioned a moment ago, censoring content, uh, including, of course, the Hunter Biden, uh, Hunter Biden uh, laptop stories. Um, what do you want from the FBI and what do you want from Twitter as far as that goes? Well, we haven't got anything from these guys yet, so we want to put them on notice, as we've done now for over a year, multiple letters, I mean, countless number of letters asking for information, asking for, for people to come in and testify, asking for them to preserve documents. We just wanted to make sure that one more time, while we're still in the minority, we put them on notice, you better be preserving this information, particularly relative to the coordination between big government, big tech, Elvis Chan, Timothy Tebow, these key names that come up. Uh, that we've learned as, as doing investigations in the minority that we haven't been able to talk to yet. We want all that preserved because we're going to get to the truth. We are going to do it. And the only way you stop this kind of stuff, Bob, from happening in the future is you have to expose it. That is always step one into remedying the situation. And we're also looking at this is this. We've had these discussions with Leader McCarthy. We're looking at the, the, the creation of a church style commission, which was done 50 years, almost 50 years ago 
then to reform the FBI from what was going on at that time. We're looking at the same type of, of committee structure to dig into everything that's wrong there and make sure we can change it so it doesn't happen in the future. Congressman, I apologize to you for being uh, inaccurate when I said I had one more question, but I would be really, really remiss if I didn't ask you about the omnibus. Um, I, I cannot believe that 18 senators, Republican senators, said, we'll, we'll send it over to the Democrat-controlled House, rather than putting a stopgap in place to send it over to the new Republican-controlled House after the first of the year. What is your response to uh, that omnibus bill passing? No, I mean, I can't say any better than you did. I mean, the cavalry is coming over the hill in seven days. We're going to have a new majority, and they couldn't wait. You know, they passed this on, on Friday, so they couldn't wait 12 days um, to, to get a majority of Republicans in the House. You know you get a better product. Um, so, no, they, they went ahead and spent this ridiculous amount of money. They gave, they gave a raise to the FBI. They gave more money to the FBI than the Biden administration had even requested. What is up? I mean, the same FBI that we just got done talking about that we know did all these things that this collusion with big government. I mean, with big tech to uh, to to limit information Americans could get to see before. I mean, it's crazy that they would get a raise. That that's just one of the many crazy. They're they're money for plankton and bee studies and you know you name it. It's ridiculous, and the country knows it's ridiculous. But they thought, oh, we can do this. Get all kinds of earmarks. Do this at Christmas time when. When a bunch of the country won't be paying real close attention, um, made no sense. I, I do not understand it. Uh, do not understand it at all. Yeah, this is why I've had this conversation with you before. I sometimes feel like a political refugee. I have no home. I have yeah. no home with the Democrats, certainly. And I feel like when I want to have a home with the Republicans, they do things like this. And it really uh, it is very, very disheartening. And, um, and I, can, I can only hope for better when you guys do take the majority, but of course have to deal with the Democrats in the Senate as well. But Congressman Jordan, thank you for the time. I'm glad you had a great yeah, Christmas. Fun. I hope you have a great New Year celebration as well, and we'll talk to you, you in too. 2023. Thank you, sir. All right, that's Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 954. Quick time out right back. Don't forget, Kirsten now after the top of the hour on AM 1420. The answer. All right, good stuff from uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. I have to admit, I'm very conflicted and nervous about how the vote for um, the the speaker is going to go. I'm not a massive McCarthy fan the way Congressman Jordan is. I don't like the fact that he made public statements throwing Trump under the bus for January 6th as if it was his responsibility when all he did was say peacefully and patriotically, go let them hear you. I didn't like that. I didn't like it when Mitch McConnell did it. I didn't like when Kevin, Kevin McCarthy did it. I don't believe Trump did anything wrong to incite the what turned out to be the violence and the riot. It was not an insurrection. It was a riot, however. There were a lot of laws broken that day, but he didn't incite it. I think the feds incited it. I think there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, the agents provocateur, like I talked about literally the day after. On January 7th, we talked about that. I think they were a big part of it. So I'm not a massive McCarthy fan overall, but I'll tell you what, I'm really worried that if he doesn't get the 218 and the Republicans screw around here and they have a a very split vote, that some of the rhino Republicans might join the Democrats who are only in the minority by a small amount and vote for a Democrat to be the speaker. It would be the height of Republican incompetence to have the majority and not be able to elect your own speaker. 
And I'm worried that that might happen. I might be forced to just say, let's swallow hard and accept McCarthy and get it over with so we don't mess around and lose the entire thing. going to ask Kirsten now about that, that uh, issue, among many other things, coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two now underway at nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on a Tuesday, the 27th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Really appreciate you being with us. Congressman Jim Jordan gave us an earful, a lot of very important information last half hour. If you missed that conversation, you can hear it after the show uh, eventually, uh, right around noontime, 1230-ish maybe, I guess. Check it out at whkradio.com on the podcast page. Joining us now for the final time in the calendar year 2022, of course, now is our good friend Peter Kirstenau, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author. He's got a new book out, by the way, which you should absolutely check out. He is a sometime columnist, sometimes law professor, and the host of the Kirstenau Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Pete, come on over here. Can you dig it? Crowd always enthusiastic and cursing. I was on the scene. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Well, you know, I'm I'm a little daunted going after Jim Jordan, one of my favorite congressmen. And uh, I was just telling your great call screener, Marianne, that uh, my weekend was uh, spent stoking wood stoves and keeping space heaters on because Friday in that uh, that windstorm that we had, we lost power uh, twice actually. And uh, so I, you know, didn't get any sleep on Friday trying to keep the house warm, and uh, it was pretty miserable. I'll tell you. <laughs> You talk about stoking fires and cutting firewood and stuff. I thought maybe you were back up at Tucker's cabin in Maine. <laughs> I think his well, his is a lot better. A point he's got a I, he had a boiler in in that uh, cabin. He's got all kinds of stuff in there. I think he's got a nuclear reactor in there. But in any event, uh, nonetheless, it was Christmas, and nothing can ever be bad at Christmas. So uh, despite the fact that we didn't have any power and didn't have any heat for quite some time, uh, it was an enjoyable weekend. Well, you know, I didn't have it that bad, but my but here's the here's the trade off. Uh, my outage is still ongoing. Uh, it is internet outage. My internet outage. There's one. What do they call it? A tap or whatever in the area for where I live from Spectrum. It has been out since 545 Friday morning. And it is wow. now Tuesday morning, and it still has not been repaired. So we didn't lose power. We didn't lose heat, which, of course, is survival stuff. But uh, but I still don't have Internet, which is a huge problem in, an, uh, in its own right. So we all deal with what we have to deal with. Hey, Pete, um, super quick, when does your Tucker Carlson special uh, air? Do you know? Did they give I you don't a, know. They a, told me they'd, they'd let me know when it drops, but they, they didn't. Uh, I haven't gotten any update on it. So uh, I'll let you know. I'll let the audience okay. know as soon as I, I know from them. 
Uh, and then uh, one other quick personal note here. Tell me uh, about um, uh, the book. Uh, obviously, we got it out just in time. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's doing well. We're, we're excited about it. And um, I, I'm getting uh, you know inquiries or uh, notes from people all over the world. Uh, the thing about uh, ghostwriting for W.B. Griffin, he had so many best New York Times bestsellers that people all over the world are familiar with him. And um, so they rapidly, you know, they patiently but rapidly wait for <laughs> the next installment. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an experience. So um, it's, called, it's, called, it's called Democrats, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the devil's weapons. It may as well be the Democrats. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, uh, so I've been spending my time over the holidays, uh, not just working, but uh, working on my next installment of W.B. Griffin and the next installment of my Mike Guerin series. So I've been pretty full. But again, <laughs> I'll just tell Marianne, I- I've been talking about getting a generator for about 20 years, never gotten around to it. You always have to be prepared. I'm getting a generator this time around. Good news is I've got tons of wood, and i got a big wood stove in the center of the house in, a, in kind of this uh, one area that has a loft in it. But nonetheless, I had to go out like two, several times in the middle of the night when the wind is howling and it's 30 below zero, and I had to walk 70 or 80 yards to get to my wood pile, which I should have brought close. But because you're concerned about termites, it's just a long story. So anyway, enough complaining. I live in the United States of America. At least I've got power. At least, you know, we're not at war uh, yet, <laughs> or at least against any fighting enemy. Uh, but, uh, you know, our president is doing our best to make life, his best to make life miserable for us, regardless of whether you got power or not. Yeah, no, no question about that. So, And we're going to talk about some of that misery uh, that is included in the omnibus spending bill, which was inexplicably passed not only by Democrats, but by a very large contingent of Republicans, too, uh, in a moment. But um, I talked to Jim Jordan last half hour about the speaker's uh, situation, and um uh, Matt Gates has publicly, even as recently as yesterday, gone out publicly and said, I want Jim Jordan to run for speaker. He does not want Kevin McCarthy. You know there's a faction of Republicans that wants somebody other than Kevin McCarthy there. Peter, how real is the threat that McCarthy doesn't get the 218 on January 3rd, and the split is so deep uh, that a Democrat is nominated, um, and some turncoat rhino Republicans join in, and the Democrats actually take a Democrat speaker or put a Democrat speaker in charge of a Republican majority. Well, I think it's a threat, but I don't think it's a real one. Uh, again, I don't know. You never know what Republicans may do. When you see so many voting for this ridiculous omnibus, anything is possible. Of right. course, that was the Senate. That was the Senate. With respect to the House, well, I House think... Well, House 2, though. House 2, though, Pete, because it was 18 senators, which is insane. But I think nine, wasn't it nine? Uh, uh, House Republicans joined the Democrats to finish it off. Yeah. Well, I think that with respect to who's going to be Speaker, I think that they'll probably coalesce around McCarthy. I think there's they're making trade-offs right now. They're exacting promises from McCarthy on little pet projects, whatever it may be, uh, that McCarthy will do in order for their vote for leader. Uh, but you never know until it's over. Um, <clears throat> what they can't do, and Republicans are very good at this, and you've just alluded to it, is shoot themselves in the foot. Even if it's not by design, mm-hmm. they kind of careen toward a cliff. And then next thing you know, nobody pumps the brakes and they go right off. That's a distinct possibility with Republicans. But I don't think, given the magnitude of what's going on, I think that um, they'll probably coalesce around McCarthy. My preference, obviously, would be Jordan. Um, 
or maybe somebody else, but I think Jordan is one of the most effective congressmen in all of uh, both Senate and Congress, the House of Representatives. And we know he's a rock-solid conservative. We know he's tough and aggressive. We know that uh, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. McCarthy is a politician, you know, and maybe that's what you need in the House leadership position. Um, McCarthy was, because of the way the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights works, the statute has different appointing authorities for commissioners. Uh, I've been a presidential appointee. I've been a senatorial appointee at, at, at times. But uh, this time, uh, it was McCarthy who appointed me. That doesn't mean anything. I really don't know McCarthy, you know, at all. At, you know, he, the uh, Senate and, and the House kind of get together in consultation with the White House, and they say, well, you know, Chris now isn't really that bad, so let's appoint him. But nonetheless, um, I think McCarthy isn't really that bad. Um, again, my preference would be Jordan, but, but the key here is Republicans better get some stuff done. It's difficult to do when you've got a Senate that is in Democrats' hands, and you've got a White House, of course, that's in somebody's hands. I'm not sure who that guy is. Uh, I think he's a Democrat. Um, but nonetheless, they can do things such as stop stupidity from happening, um, which is happening with greater, greater frequency, and it's transcended stupidity into insanity. Uh, you would think that many in Congress are purposely trying to damage the United States of America. But anyway, that's a long explanation for saying I think at the end of the day, McCarthy prevails. We won't know of the promises that have been extracted from him in order to gain the speakership. I think he'll probably be a decent speaker from everything I've seen. Again, he's not my, my preference. I, he's uh, not quite as conservative as I would like. Uh, but everything I've seen about him says that, you know, he knows how to work the lovers of the speakership. Uh, he's been studying it for a long time. He's been hoping for this for a long time. And he's, you know, he's not a dumb guy. I have to point to the Trump relationship, though, before we can just say, okay, let's sign off on McCarthy, because he, just like Mitch McConnell, although not as recently, because McConnell literally just last week after the January 6th committee ridiculous 845-page report came out, uh, uh, McConnell reiterated that he believes one man was responsible for January 6th, and that's Donald Trump. Uh, McCarthy said something very similar in the weeks and months after January 6th. He literally declared that this was essentially at Donald Trump's feet. I don't have the quote in front of me. I did, but I, it was enough for me to say, I need to ask ardent Trump supporters how you feel about that. Uh, and I know you are one. I know you're very fond of Ron DeSantis is now, uh, Ron DeSantis now as well as I am, but, um, you're a big supporter of the president's. Uh, and, and McCarthy really let him have it, saying that he was responsible for this. How do you, can you, can you square that somehow, Pete? No, not at all. Can't. That's one of the problems I've got with him. Um, I think, among other things, there are those, first of all, I don't understand, I can understand somebody who has problems with anybody, uh, whether it's Trump or anyone else, like different discrete policy issues, uh, or even how they comport themselves. But a couple things here. We're talking about politicians, and somebody who aspires to be Speaker of the House as a Republican leader. And the leader of the Republicans overall, the national leader, is Donald Trump. If you've got a, a problem with the Donald Trump, then you address that privately within your caucus or with Donald Trump himself. You don't feed the narrative that everyone is feeding, no matter what you do. I mean, he doesn't have to weigh in on this. He doesn't have to, you know, jump on top of the pile when the runner's already down. They've got 
the entire media, the, the big tech Democrats all over the place, it's Trump 24-7. They'll raid his Mar-a-Lago, but they'll do anything to go after him. So you don't need to have to feed that beast whatsoever to show your, purportedly show your bona fides as an impartial person. That's ridiculous. You're, you're a Republican, and we know how unfair these attacks have been. Some may have been, you know, may have had some, some resonance, maybe a little bit of justification, but the magnitude of them, the, the characterization of Trump is really nuts and off the charts. And as somebody who aspires to be a Republican leader, and he, he currently is, but Speaker of the House, yeah. you don't do that. And it's one of the things I think that a lot of conservatives, they we have a spidey sense. We've been betrayed a number of times over the course of decades by purported Republicans. We see it all the time. So we have a sense for how we, we can almost listen to some uh, kind of mundane statement that a Republican ma- can make. It appears mundane, but it's a, it, I'll use that overused term, dog whistle. We hear it, and we know precisely what the mindset is, and we know we're about to get, you know what. Well, um, Pete, let me let me expand upon that a little bit, because it's more than just how people received it. Um, there has to be a working relationship going forward with the Republican Speaker and the Republican majority in the House for the next two years going into the 2024 election. And Donald Trump is still expected to be the nominee. He is still expected to be the leader of the party. I know there are certain polls that show Ron DeSantis leading in a hypothetical matchup with Trump and against all of the others. But Donald Trump still is far and away expected to be the guy. And so, and I did find McCarthy's tweet or a, a statement on the House floor, quote, the president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts required immediate action by President Trump. Um, he uh, he urged for Trump to be censured for his actions in the lead-up to and in the aftermath of the riot. Um, so, so these are public comments. So yeah. Pete, what, what I want to know is... Can they put this behind them? Something is. Remember, President Trump was just referred to the DOJ for criminal uh, action or criminal. Uh, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A referral. He was referred as criminal referral to the DOJ for what happened on that day. Let's phrase it that way. So President Trump is literally facing something very, very serious here. And if he is the the candidate, the nominee for president for the Republicans, he's got to work with the Republican Party, and that would mean the Speaker who essentially blamed him for this. So can they put this aside to in the next two years while he runs for president? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think they can, but uh, when you read that statement, it was even worse than what I remembered. Um, and it's going to be really up to McCarthy to uh, broach He's going to have to do something (laughs) because that's not a statement you make. And there are tens of millions of Americans who disagree vehemently with the tenor and tone of that uh, statement that he made. I'm one of them. I don't believe I don't believe Donald Trump could even remotely be blamed for what happened. And I refuse to call it an insurrection. It was a bunch of you know there were some bad actors, but most of the people were milling around taking pictures. Donald Trump did not encourage it. He said we will peacefully and respectfully go over there. I mean this is a a joke on steroids and we're supposed to like with everything else over the last number of years we're supposed to go along with whatever names the left assigns to something we're supposed to go along with a narrative and not question it as if somehow we live in the old soviet union i refuse to do that i've been on this earth long enough i've got my own brain i've got my own ears and eyes i see what happened i know more history than 90 percent of these cretins who are trying to pull this narrative off on us and i know precisely what happened 
But my goodness, the Democrats have denied elections forever and ever. Amen. And nobody ever says anything about that. And we're talking about all Democrats, the top leadership. Every single time Republican uh, wins, they deny it. You know, I'm, I'm just sick of this double standard. We shouldn't be feeding into it. And a Speaker of the House shouldn't be fueling that narrative whatsoever. It is a false narrative. And even the parts that aren't false, the characterization of Trump is very much over the top. So um, he's got a lot of repair job to do. I think he'll he'll do okay, but he's got a lot of repairing to do because a lot of people out here, I'd say 40% of Republicans, distrust him implicitly. I kind of wish Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and anybody else who has asked about Donald Trump inciting the insurrection or inciting the violence, whatever you call it that day, would do the same thing I do. When somebody asks me about that or makes that allegation to me, I simply say, We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That is not incitement to violence. That is exactly right. That is urging his supporters to go down there and literally make their voices heard to protest outside of the um, uh, of the Capitol where they were inside certifying that election. Bob, and one last thing. Yeah. Remember that back in 2016, 17, Democrats were urging electors, electors to change their vote. They're trying right. to mess with the electoral cause. No, that's okay. That's okay. Exactly correct. Amazing. Peter Kirsten out. We're going to talk about the border, and we're going to talk about how the border came to D.C. once again, to Kamala's house, and we're going to talk about that omnibus spending bill as well. Are Republican voters... Are we refugees? Do we have homes anymore, considering what the Republicans have done with the Democrats? All of that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, everything I just said, you'll have to hold off till next Monday. (laughs) It's Tuesday, and I kind of, you know, we were off yesterday, so it feels like a Monday to me. The 75-cent traditional wings are the Monday special. The Tuesday special is a pizza special, so check that out when you get to Harry Buffalo today. All right, Peter Kirsten, now, uh, briefly, before we get into more depth on it on the other side of the news, Pete, we'll take 90 seconds here. Should Governor Greg Abbott of Texas have sent 130 illegal alien migrants on buses to Kamala Harris's doorstep on a frigid night on Christmas Eve uh, on Saturday? Absolutely not. He should not have done that. He should have sent 130,000, uh, you know, by plane, train, and automobile. Uh, it, it's, this, this is getting... I love that. Go this on. Is, this is, um, it's the only thing, by the way, that seems to get the attention of the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself. Because uh, I saw a study, and I won't be reciting these precise uh, figures, but the, you know the Media Research Center does these kinds of things. They have people that analyze all the news reports. And over the last year, they had, it was, I think, as of October, they had calculated the number of minutes spent by the various major networks, and including MSNBC and CNN, on uh, the debacle at the border, and it was something like a total of 133 minutes. Think about how little that is over the course of nearly a year, given the crisis at the border. But what they found of the 133 minutes, something like 80% of that had to do only with 
the Martha Vineyard's, Martha's Vineyard story. That's what got their attention. And if you talk to people, and I know you do this all the time, but I talk to people on the other side of the aisle very often. You know, I talk to lawyers, very, very smart and educated people, very knowledgeable people. And 90% of them have, don't even, have not the slightest clue. I know it's difficult for you and your audience to imagine, but they have no clue about what's going on at the border because nobody is covering it except for maybe Fox, uh, maybe the Wall Street Journal, a couple of other uh, smaller publications. But nobody knows what's going on there. And, you know, the Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, approach to this is if, you know, um, a tree falls in the forest, but nobody's there to hear it, you know, doesn't make a sound. And they believe that um, if they don't make any sounds, if they don't make any coverage of it, no one's going to know anything about it. And they're covering for their agenda and Joe Biden. Completely agree, Peter Kirsten. Now, we'll take this time out. A lot of people are saying, though, they're using them as political pawns, and they are. But uh, you know what? The Texans, the people who live in Texas and Arizona, they shouldn't be political pawns either, having to deal with this uh, massive invasion at our southern border. Uh, we'll get news now. We'll come back with Kirsten. Now, we still have a lot more to discuss on AM 1420, The Answer. In the age of unreason, always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 1037 now on always right radio, AM 1420, the answer. Peter Kirsten now continues with us now live as uh, we cover all of the big news of the day. So Peter Joaquin Castro tweeting yesterday, worthless at Governor Abbott, dropping off people with no money and no means on Christmas Eve in 15-degree weather near the VP's resident. How Christian of you, Greg Abbott. Being a heartless POS isn't going to make you the next Republican president. Scott Dworkin, Governor, Governor, Governor Abbott abandoning children on the side of the road on Christmas Eve will go down as one of his most despicable acts ever. Abbott belongs in prison. And Occupy Democrats tweeting, Breaking, the Biden White House slams MAGA Governor Greg Abbott's cruel Christmas Eve migrant trafficking stunt and says that a bunch of families were left in freezing weather outside Kamala Harris's residence without cold weather gear. Retweet to demand a criminal investigation. Pete, here's what I'm wondering. If there's 130 people outside of Kamala Harris's home and she doesn't open her door and tell them, come on in here and get warm... This is a Kamala Harris problem more than anything else because she's the reason they're there, right or wrong? Yeah, well, she's the border czar, right? She's in charge of finding out what the root causes are. She should just look to her left next, and if she sees Joe Biden standing there, that's the root cause of the problem. The We all know this, and it's almost like beating a dead horse. Um, conservatives understand what the problem has been for quite some time, and it's not just limited to Democrats, because we have a lot of Republicans, including George W. Bush, who didn't take care of this problem. Donald Trump tried to, he really did, but they wouldn't give him the money to finish the border wall. But even that, you look at the number of people who crossed the border under Trump's term, and it was minuscule compared to the flood that we're currently getting, and it's all on Biden's watch, and it's with the complicity of all the Democrats who don't go down there. They won't go down there. Remember, listen to this. 1,700 uh, illegal immigrants have died crossing the border. 1,700. 
yet no networks go down there to cover it. None. They don't go down there. The major newspapers don't go down there. But when there were, quote-unquote, kids in cages that was actually started by the Obama administration under Trump, they were down there flooding the zone, and Ocasio-Cortez goes down there so she could cry at a parking lot. And they went along with that little charade of hers, too. The, the hypocrisy, it, it, we need a new word in the dictionary, because hypocrisy doesn't sufficiently or adequately capture what's going on here. But it's also dangerous. We're sending hundreds of millions of dollars, actually strike that, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars to several other foreign countries under this ridiculous omnibus to secure their borders. Yet we have explicit provisions in this omnibus that precludes us from enforcing our border. This is everything is upside down. We're living in some kind of uh, never never land. I, I don't understand this. And yet we can't get and this is the, one of the problems I've got with Republicans. And I think I just heard part of the commercial leading up to this talking about the fact that we should have prevailed much better in the midterms. All yeah. the metrics showed that. And if McCarthy wants to be speaker, he's got to show how he's going to maintain those kinds of expectations. In other words, grow the majority. And that majority must be grown by people other than the idiots who voted for the, this omnibus bill. Every single one of those individuals deserves to be primaried. <laughs> And not just because they're Republicans, but because they're stupid and they're feckless. You cannot sign off on, in the midst of the greatest inflation we've seen in 40 years, on a $1.7 billion, uh, trillion dollar spending bill that not one of them is read. Peter, how do you feel about Tom Cotton? Um, I like Tom Cotton a lot. He's one of the few people who you know I deal with in, in the Senate and who shares my sensibilities. But I think you know where you're going. <laughs> Before yeah. I do, but, uh, um, I was astounded to see that he was among the 18 in the Senate. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, this it morning, me away. this morning he was uh, talking to Hugh Hewitt and he attempted to explain his decision. I'll play po- a portion of that answer just because we don't have a ton of time. But Hugh Hewitt, and by the way, Hugh Hewitt agreed he would have voted for this omnibus bill for the same reason that Tom Cotton laid out. So here's part of that. I believe under the circumstances, it was the best practical outcome we were going to get, especially for our military. Um, after the new year, uh, while we're going to have a new Republican House, you're also going to have Democrats in charge of the Senate still. And I suspect they would have demanded a ransom in the form of tens of billions of higher tens of billions of dollars in higher domestic spending than this bill contained. Uh, probably uh, not acceptable to a Republican House. So in the end, what you might have had is a months-long or even years-long stalemate with a series of stopgap funding measures that wouldn't have only lost the sizable increase we gained in defense spending, but also would have frozen defense spending and defense programs where they were last year. I just think that's a a dangerous and risky proposition given the threat we face from China. Now, all all that said to you, again, I, I agree with your listener that a lot of bad stuff in the bill, and also the process is not good. So what we want to do in the new Congress, and we want to do it early, you know, we want to do it in the spring, we don't want to do it in the third week of December, is find the time to kind of put our foot down and demand that Chuck Schumer um, do what I expect the House will do, which is bring up uh, the annual spending bills in an orderly fashion that allows them to be debated and amended and voted on separately. All right, Peter, your response. That That is very disappointing. Um, I didn't hear his statement. I know that he voted in favor of this monstrosity. It is so unlike Tom Cotton. 
I'm, uh, you know, I, usually I give people, and I will in this case, because Tom Cotton is one of our few good senators, I give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's too smart to have said what he said. He talked about this being a ransom, the Senate holding, uh, or the Democrats holding them for ram- ransom if they waited until the next uh, Congress. Right. No. That doesn't happen. The party that holds anyone for ransom in these kinds of things is the minority party. We had the ability, meaning Democrat, uh, Republicans and conservatives, to hold Democrats ransom because we could have held everything up because we'd have the House at that point. That's where spending happens. This is... I, I, it, it's very dispiriting to hear that kind of response from a Tom Cotton. He's one of the few who's been honest for the last several years, uh, who has stood firm in most cases for conservatives. But there's no justification for 18 GOP members voting for this, none whatsoever. You can't put lipstick on this pig. That's an insult to pigs, frankly. This is a ridiculous bill. They should have waited until we had the House in just a few weeks, meaning Republicans, conservatives, had the House, and then we hold the bill ransom. We hold it hostage. They've got the White House and they've got the Senate. We, Senate, we hold it hostage. And we extract every conceivable concession we can politically from them. But a $1.7 trillion bill on its face should be rejected at every turn. Peter Kirsten, I was our guest. I was very, very disappointed by that, too. And that's kind of what I meant when I said going into the bottom of the hour break, Pete, when I feel like a political refugee sometimes. I, I, I can't trust the Republicans. It's one thing to say I can't trust the rhino Republicans. Were there 18 rhino Republicans who voted for this thing? Well, one of them was Tom Cotton, and I did not consider prior to this Tom Cotton as a rhino. Uh, and I think nine on the House side joined the Democrats in voting for this as well, giving not only Biden a huge political win that he does not deserve, but obviously doing great damage to uh, the, uh, the our, our fiscal responsibility in this country. Um, so, so when Tom Cotton does something like this, I just, I just wonder, going t- forward in the next two years to 2024, I try to do so with optimism, no matter what the outcome of an election is, a midterm or a presidential election or whatnot, I try to go forward with optimism, but I'm like thinking to myself, if these are the Republicans we're going forward with, what do I have to look forward to? I truly yeah. do not know if there's somebody or anybody I can rely on. What's next? Ted Cruz? I mean, what's next? You know, I mean, some, some of the some of the most staunch Republican and conservatives that I have in the Senate or, or in the House turning to, I mean, next thing you know, Jim Jordan's going to be voting for an omnibus like this. <laughs> I mean, what would, what, yeah. it's, I can't it, fathom it, those things, Pete, but I couldn't have fathomed Tom Cotton either. So do you go forward for the next two years with confidence and optimism? Or do you wonder absolutely. if we're, we're just completely screwed? You know how I feel? Did you ever see the movie Braveheart? Yeah, of course. And it sounds strange, but near the end of the movie, uh, Mel Gibson plays... Uh, um, William Wallace. Uh, uh, yeah, Sir William Wallace. And um, he f- finds out that... Remember, he's at the... I, gosh, I can't remember where it was. It was uh, not at Sterling. Yeah, maybe it was Sterling. I can't remember where it was, but they had the fight with the British. And he finds out that... What's his name? Um, who had on one of these uh, battle armors. Turns out he had betrayed him. Oh, okay. yeah, Robert DeBruce. Robert DeBruce. Robert right, exactly, right. exactly. I'm just this morning, I'm not, my brain's not functioning. But nonetheless, he felt betrayed. And that's how I feel with respect to a Tom Cotton. It's like, what? You've got to be kidding me. Who's next? You know, Chip Roy? I mean, I, this is 
you know, the, there's only about three or four people that I think staunch conservatives think are one of us and will not betray us. And it was Tom Cotton at one time, uh, Ted Cruz, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, and someone like a Chip Roy in the House, and they're Jim Jordan. You know, there are only a few that we can depend on. You know, and maybe even a Matt Gates, although I just don't know where Matt Gates is coming from from time to time. But, um, you know, these are the people we can depend on. And then Tom Cotton, who is a smart guy, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, buts about it, and for years has been principled and has been on our side, does this. I don't know that you can put that genie back in the bottle. I'm always going to be now looking at Tom Cotton askance and wondering what's he going to do next. He's not a reliable vote for America, for conservatism. That's the way I would put it. Um, and it, it, just the, the bill itself, I mean, the total cost of the bill itself, put, a, put aside all the ridiculous things in it. We are, by we, my uh, assistant on the Civil Rights Commission, who's an attorney, and I are going through the bill um, and it's going to take some time. And, of course, our charge is to look at anything that's got civil rights implications. But, you know, wait, we're wait, not going wait, to wait, 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 hold on a second. What do you mean it's going to take some time? Everybody, <laughs> everybody in the Congress everybody in the Congress read it in 24 hours and they cast their votes on it. <laughs> These guys are amazing speed readers. I'll tell you, my goodness, I'm not as smart as they are. <laughs> so it's going to take a little bit of time for the two of us to go through that thing and pick out the things that have civil rights implications. In today's America, almost everything has civil rights implications. And we don't have any enforcement authority, but at least we can you know, put Republicans on the spot by sending interrogatories to them with respect to certain provisions of the bill. Uh, and publicly shame them. That's about all we can do. You know, I wish I could do more. I know I talk to people all the time who say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, I don't have the power to do it. You know, if I could wave a, wave a magic wand, I would do so. This is the most I can do. I don't know if anyone else is doing it. Clearly, our elected representatives aren't doing it. But my goodness, this is important stuff, and they have completely and utterly betrayed us. That's not an exaggeration. No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> Again, the, just the cost is Speaking. ridiculous. No, go ahead and finish that thought. That's fine. It's just the the total cost on its face requires a Republican rejection. I wanted to follow up there and dovetail when you said exaggeration. Speaking of exaggeration, remember how excited we were that amongst the uh, victories that gave the uh, Republicans the House back uh, were the four seats that were turned in New York, in deep blue New York. One of those belonged to uh, a gentleman by the name of George Santos. And apparently he's a big fan of exaggeration. And in fact, he's a big fan of outright lying. He'd, he apparently lied that he graduated from college. He lied that he worked for Goldman Sachs and another uh, uh, prestigious uh, oh, city group. Uh, he apparently lied about being Jewish versus Catholic. And he also lied uh, about being gay. Apparently he was married to a woman for five years. Now he says he's gay and he's married to a, to a man. Uh, the left is going ballistic over this. They want him removed. They say that he ran under false pretense and there should be a special election to elect a new, um, voting member of Congress from, uh, from New York three. And Pete, I say the hell with that. This guy could be elected president for crying out loud. <laughs> have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from taped remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not 
not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Yeah, this should be an inspiration for all because you too can be a complete failure and become president of the United States. Well, a complete liar. It's more than the failure. It's more than finishing 76th out of 85 in your law school class. It's more than getting just one degree when you promise three. It's the, it's the deception. He lied about his entire career, his academic career, his political career. For 50 years, he's been plagiarizing people. So to me, George Santos shouldn't be viewed as some sort of pariah, the Republican who was just elected to Congress from New York. He ought to be looked at as presidential timber by comparison to Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, there's a double standard for Democrats. You can lie about everything and anything as long as you get elected. It gets you elected and you for the progressive agenda. The media will treat you as a saint. Had he been a Democrat, you know what the coverage of the media would have been funny. <laughs> and the coverage would have been, uh, they, they wouldn't have covered him and his lies, but they would have directed their enmity toward Republicans. Like, how dare they? Remember the old line about when uh, a Republican... Uh, screws up the stories about the Republican. But when a Democrat screws up the stories about how the Republicans react to it, they've got the media on their side. Well, look at Elizabeth Warren. I had a caller call me before. Remember Elizabeth Warren talking about lies? She was not only, she not only lied to get her positions, she she was reelected even after those lies were exposed and she was found to be one 1,024th Cherokee, which is less Cherokee than I am, for crying out loud. And they voted for her again. So the Democrats don't seem to mind politicians lying as long as they're Democrats. Right. Absolutely. And uh, the media go along with it. They really do. And let's face it, uh, what's gotten scary is that not only do they control all the institutions and they march in lockstep, I mean, they are incredibly disciplined. But now we find that, uh, and I know you've talked about this, but the extent to which various alphabet agencies, the most important ones, the scariest ones, the most powerful ones, like the FBI and the CIA and others, have been shaping, and that's a very, very mild term to use, not just public debate and public opinion, but they have affected the outcome of elections. Most notably, they affected the outcome of the 2020 election. They they clearly did. But for, it's not just a thumb on the scale. They put somebody's big butt on the scale in that election. (laughs) And they affected it because if you look at the polling data, 16%, 16% of Biden voters say had they known about the laptop, it would have changed their vote. That's enough to have seriously seriously change the outcome yeah. of the election no question about it that's uh that's that's a great way to end this conversation and it's a great great way to end our year peter the next time we talk it will be 2023 i don't know if i'll feel any better about things by then but let's hope so uh so peter kirsten out terrific conversation as always my friend thank you so much and we'll talk to you next tuesday take care about yeah. that's kirsten now on am 1420 the answer it's 10 54 we'll get a time out here guess what guest free the rest of the way it's going to be time to start looking back a little bit we're going to do this for the next three days looking back at 2022 and as i evaluate it on a superficial level without going too in depth i think we're about to close the book on one of the worst years of my lifetime not personally like worst years of my life but worst years in my lifetime. When you look at 2022 from start to finish, 
That's what I'm seeing. And we'll talk about it a little bit coming up. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Every bit of that and a little bit more. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Tuesday, the 27th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Phone lines are open the rest of the way, a free-for-all Tuesday kind of a vibe. Why not? Got a lot of things to talk about. You can pick. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those. Good, uh, good for me. They'll both get you here. So, uh, and f- by the way, don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Rants, R-A-N-T-S. You can also just search for Always Right Radio. Either one of those will get you there, too. So do, do you, I'm not going to do what I plan to do probably Thursday or Friday on our last live show of the year. I'm not going to do the full thing today. This will be just a very superficial look at it. But what I want to do at the end of the week is in much more depth, talk about where 2022 ranks among the all-time worst years of your lifetime. Now understand, like I said, that doesn't mean it's the worst year you've ever had. You know, for some people, the worst year of their lifetime is the year that their mother or their father passed away. You know, a loved one got a terrible, debilitating, deadly disease. Maybe your dog got hit by a car. I mean, you know, personal things make this the worst year of my life, right? We all have stories like that. I'm talking about the worst year for the country, for the community, for the culture, I feel like I could do this on a very, you know, superficial level, just kind of a scratch-the-surface type of thing here, and talk about this year as being maybe the worst year that I have ever experienced in my lifetime uh, based upon those factors. Starting um, Starting with the fact that this was an extraordinarily dangerous year for people who were forced to take very, very dangerous drugs at the risk of losing their jobs. That hadn't happened before. Mandating shots that were experimental, 
100% experimental and being told that even though you don't know what the outcome will be, you don't know what the side effects could be, you don't know whether or not they'll be lethal for you, you don't know what it will do to a pregnant woman, you don't know what they will do to young children, take them or lose your job. That happened in 2022. It also happened in 2021. But I'm looking at 2022. That was a big part of it. In 2022, we suffered the highest gas prices in the history of our country. Putting fuel in our tanks to go to work, to do our jobs, to feed our families. It cost us more to do that than at any point in American history. And it was all the result of decisions made by the President of the United States who said right from the outset that he is going to declare war on fossil fuels. He literally said we are going to make sure that there are no more fossil fuels being used at all. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel and I am not going to talk about it. Sorry about the audio quality there. Not sure exactly what happened. But it costs us more, along with virtually everything else that we tried to buy. Cars, new or used. Clothing. Grocery. What are eggs now? Some places eggs are up over $7 a dozen. They were two sixty-five a couple of years ago. Our groceries, our ability to feed our families, our ability to keep our families warm, to be keep our families clothed. 40-year high inflation to go along with the record high energy costs. Supply chain disruption. Mothers couldn't feed their babies. Formula couldn't be obtained. And what could be found was limited in supply and was, again, and charging an astronomical price for it. The border has never been this porous in the history of this country. We had 5 million border encounters in the fiscal year that just ended in October 2022. 5 million. No, I beg your pardon. That's 5 million since Biden took office. Over 2.5 million in the fiscal year. And at the end, now that we're in the new fiscal year, 2023, which counts, you know, November, December, we are already off to a far worse start for this coming fiscal year as we wrap up uh, the year 2022. There was a record number of deaths and overdoses from drugs that are being brought across the border, like fentanyl. A war broke out in, in Europe with Russia invading Ukraine and the United States fighting that war as a proxy through Ukraine by giving them over a hundred billion of your tax dollars and mine with no end in sight. Do, Do you see where we're going here? Our schools became battlegrounds between concerned parents trying to make sure the kids were being educated and not forced into an alternative lifestyle or a new identification as a different gender or double gender or no gender 
and new pronouns and made-up words, and if parents fought back against that, they were targeted by the FBI. This has never happened before. Girls who have enjoyed the protection and the obvious benefits of equal opportunities provided by Title IX for 50 years are seeing them disappear thanks to the Biden administration's decision to expand Title IX to cover anybody who just feels like a girl. I mean, this year, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I want to put something together in more depth, including some sound bites. Like I said, Thursday, Friday, for kind of a year-end show, but I'm just doing this off the top of my head at a very, very surface level. And I really believe I can say that 2022 might be the very worst year that I've been alive. Doesn't mean it was my personal worst year. I had a great year personally. My family's wonderful. I'm very happy and very proud of everything. But you know what I mean. This is this is the worst year that I can think of. Uh, that's coming to a close. I can't wait to slam the door on this SOB. I can't wait until December 31st at 12.59 or 11.59 p.m. And I want to slam the door on 2022 and hope we never have another year like this again. Crime is at an all-time high in in every major urban center in America. And prosecutors, rather than trying to crack down on it by, by locking bad people up, are letting them go. Judges are giving them no bail release. No bail required, no cash bail, just go. Well, well we expect you to come back for your trial. I mean, holy goodness. I'm trying to think of something that went better in 2022 than it did in previous years. And I'll be honest with you, that's going to take some work in the next two, three days on my part. If I try to find the counter to some of the stuff I'm talking about, which I will, will try, that means, it'll it'll take some doing. What went better this year than in previous years? Honest to goodness. So I'll, I'll let you think about that a little bit. Throw something in. Maybe you can help me out as I do my prep for Thursday and Friday, as I try to do a year-end, year-in-review of, of the worst year that I can recall in my life, being alive. 216-901-0945, If you got something to offer, I am ready to listen. Let's go to BJ, who's calling us from uh, North Olmstead on AM 1420, The Answer. BJ, good morning. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. I'd like to give a different perspective of the year. I think it has been the most enlightening year from the perspective of the morality, the weather conditions, the spiritual conditions. It's been an awakening year like we one we haven't had in many, many, many years. The controversy of things you're speaking of is part of the awakening. And for those that have a spiritual or religious belief, mine happens to be more spiritual than religious, I think it's been very awakening. The winter storm we had that came across this country during the seasons, the Christmas season, if that didn't get people's attention, I don't know what will, but it's, it affected our entire nation. The changing of what's going on in different countries, the revolutions in the women rising up and saying enough of your political crap. So there's a lot of changes and there's a lot of awakening and a lot of enlightenment. And sometimes the world, the population of the world, has to be awakened in many, many serious ways. So I don't see this as a tragic year or the worst year. 
I had a worse year when I saw 129 boys that came through my dispensary die an hour later. Those, to me, were tragic years to see the loss of life. And at 92, my hope still lies with you younger people to become awakened, to realize that you're living on the most beautiful planet that we know of, and we live in a life and, and have the opportunities that is so unbelievable that we have to become more aware of the the value of the gift of life we have on this planet. So I hope that some of the younger people wake up to the reality of the wonderful world we live in and these wars and these agitators and these haters start to wake up. If they don't, our youth is going to be more vicious coming up than we're seeing right now with all the crimes and killings. I wish all your listeners and you a happy new year, and thank you for the time you've given me. And uh, may we all awake. Thank you so much. Thank you, BJ. Appreciate your phone call. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Rose is calling us from Vermilion. Good morning, Rose. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I uh, just wanted to add something um, to this omnibus bill. <laughs> Uh, that they just passed, um, and uh, those of us who like our Second Amendment rights aren't going to be very happy. Um, they just snuck in a gun control in there, and there's 12 um, things that they put in, and I'll just read a couple of them. Uh, massive 14.1% ATF budget increase to facilitate Biden's pistol ban. Uh, another one is a 700 plus million dollar in funding available to bribe states to pass the red flag gun confiscation laws. Another one is the funding to VA to maintain gun storage maps to keep tabs on where veterans keep their guns. And another one is um, programs discouraging women from exercising their Second Amendment rights. That's just a few of the 12 that they snuck in there. And if anybody wants to read the article... They can go to beckernews.com and scroll down until you see the article with Chuck Schumer with a shotgun <laughs> in the air and, um, you know, and read the article. It's, it's sickening. It just it <laughs> makes me angry. Well, well what, what, what's most sickening about it to me, Rose, and thank you so much for the phone call, is, is you read it. Uh, Becker News read it and wrote about it, and a few other people did. But you know who didn't? The people who voted for it. I, I joked with Peter Kirsten now a few minutes ago. Uh, you know, he talked about how he and his sta- uh, his uh, his legal aide, uh, an attorney in the Civil Rights uh, Commission, uh, are going to take a few days to read this thing in its entirety and, and and really examine what what is right and what is wrong with it and so forth, and maybe what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. And I jokingly said to him, "What do you mean you're going to do? Take a few days?" Everybody in Congress read it in one 24-hour period, right? All 4,155 pages, and they cast a vote on it. I guarantee you there are people who voted for that who never saw those gun or Second Amendment rights uh, uh, elements of that bill. I promise you. Now, there are some who absolutely did, and they hid them in places where, again, it would be probably very difficult for people to find. You know, Who's to see that on page 2,691? Or maybe they stuck part of that in in 3,124. 4,155 pages! 
They can hide anything in there. Nobody's going to see it when they don't give them a full week or two to really comb through it and sort it out and find out what all those things mean. That is a de facto. You want to talk about the, de- the, the Democrats like to talk about an attack on democracy. Well, first of all, we're not a democracy. Yes, we use the democratic process in our constitutional representative republic. But they talk about attack and attack on democracy. What is a bigger attack on democracy than than ramrodding in a lame duck Congress just a few days before the new Congress takes over, ramrodding 4,155 pages of expenditures, $1.7 trillion of them, in a country with 30 plus trillion dollars in debt already and to ask the representatives of the people to vote on it with less than 24 hours notice how is that not an attack on the people's right to select how they're governed that is the exact opposite of the democratic process this is truly tyranny And the worst part about it is, as I said to Peter, and that's why I feel like a political refugee, is that I have nobody to stand up for me in pushing back against that, in fighting that tyranny. I don't. Who do I have? I got 18 Republican senators, including Tom Bleeping Cotton in Arkansas, who sold me out, not to mention nine hacks. On the House side, the Republicans who sided with the Democrats. I got nobody to speak for me against this tyranny. I live in a representative republic. I chose my representatives to go to Congress and do what's right and to do my will. And at the very least, do the will of what the constituents in their districts say or their states say. And they didn't even bother because they couldn't have without reading it. That's an attack on democracy. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are celebrating it as if they've done something for the people. And we know damn well what they've done. They've done nothing for the people. They've done everything to advance their agenda. Their agenda that means destroy and take down this country as it exists in order for a new one to be built. I've been saying that for years with the Democrats, for all of the Obama years, certainly for the two uh, 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 Biden years, and even during the Trump years, I said it about the Democrats who were obstructing Trump. When Obama said fundamentally transform the country, he wasn't kidding. He meant tear it down and transform it into something else. I've been saying this for so long, and now other people are saying it, including South Dakota Governor Christine Noem. The administration is completely unprepared for what will happen after Title 42 was pulled back. We reported earlier they're looking at 400,000 migrants a month potentially coming across. You're a governor of a state. We've seen uh, Greg Abbott try to do some things down in Texas, but I just don't think a governor can do enough. And... uh, and, you know, tell us what you think about uh, what Greg Abbott's trying to do as opposed to what the administration isn't doing at all. Well, listen, it's not a governor's job. It's yeah. the federal government's job to secure our border. Um, Greg Abbott is doing what he needs to do down there, spending billions of dollars a year to secure the border uh, because of the failure of the Biden administration. So you talked, Joey, about them building a tent down there on the border. Uh, I think that that <laughs> is just showing the agenda that the federal government has. Mm. This isn't yeah. um, unexpected. This isn't something that they didn't foresee happening. This is on purpose. This is on purpose that mm. they are destroying our border because they want to remake this country into something that is not built on the trust that our founders gave people themselves. There it is. 
Christy Noam, this is not unexpected. This is on purpose. They are destroying our border because they want to remake this country into something that it is not. That is literally what their goal is. They are not trying to advance the cause of freedom on behalf of the people of this country. They are trying to advance the cause of tyranny, literally in spite of the people and to the detriment of the people of this country. I know I went way long here. It's 1127. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. It is 1138. Appreciate you being with us. You know, one of the other fun things that I like to do um, at the end of the year, this last week, before the uh, New Year flips over, is looking back at some things like this. This is just kind of fun. The eight most annoying people of the year. According to Fox News, Meghan Markle and Prince, what's his name? The View, number two. These are not ranked in eight through one or one through eight. These are just the eight individuals. The View, in other words, the entire cast of The View. Kanye Ye West, Chris Cuomo, Brian Stelter, Harry Potter people, uh, ben Collins and Brandy Zedrozny. These are the poster children of media bias for NBC. Pete Davidson, completely agree. Pete Davidson, one of the celebrities, has no real reason to be a celebrity. He's not funny as a comedian, and uh, he's not good as an actor. I don't know why he's a famous celebrity, but he is. But uh, that's one of the fun things we can do. I'm going to share with you as we get into the next couple of days uh, and the end of the week. <clears throat> as promised, uh, I'm going to share with you uh, also... The top 10, and by top 10, I guess you could argue that it's the bottom 10 because they're the worst, but the 10 worst media or most mortifying is a good way to put it for Grabian, media moments of 2022. And all told, it's around eight or nine minutes of uh, audio file, so I'm not going to play this for you now. But uh, we'll be doing that. We're going to be sharing you the worst of the worst of 2022 and maybe the best of the best you can find. Oh, by the way, I thought of one when I was teasing uh, the last segment and uh, telling you to call. I've, I've thought about one. Uh, when I said, if you can find one thing better in 2022 that was not, you know, uh, a thing in previous years, because I was listing all of the worst things, I think I found one. Roe versus Wade is no more. Roe versus Wade is gone. It is not the law of the land anymore. And that means states and the people can decide state by state through their state representatives and legislatures what restrictions they would like to have on abortion. Respecting life uh, took a huge step forward in 2022. So I will offer that. But there are so many other things, like I said, that added up, make 2022 a year that I want to kick right in the A uh, as it is on its way out the door on December 31st. Uh, Jim is in West Park. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling on AM 1420 The Answer. Go right ahead. Your question you asked is for topics for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday when you're going to be uh, on nationwide TV. And I really like the uh, Victor Davis Hanson uh, article in the EPEC Times. I, I I saw that. So he didn't touch on our justice system, the bribed, the paid off, or the threatened of our legislators, our judges, 
The other one is Captain Kangaroo, uh, decades of mandatory vaccines, the 22-plus day suicide. This Captain Kangaroo, I call him, this Lloyd Austin, he's going to be talking about that. And, you know, they're not going to come after our guns. Uh, if they wanted to come after their guns, they'd be going after the guns that are killing Americans. They're going after mega. And the speakership, it's only voted in on the Republicans, the majority of either house. Uh, the Democrats don't have any, any power to put in our chair members. And our justice system, the... the, the um, the the destruction of our justice system might go back to the Civil War. And then when Peter mentioned termites, because I burned firewood here, I had uh, a big tree come down and wipe out our line. Uh, we don't have termites up here. We have winged black ants that get into our windowsills, and they just like to find places to incubate their eggs and babies. So thank you very much for taking my call, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a happy new year. Happy new year to you too, uh, Jim. <clears throat> there, that, I, that's um, <clears throat> that's all. I, that's a little all over the place. I probably can't get to too much of that. Uh, I will say I'm not exactly sure about this national TV thing. What I did announce is that I'm going to be doing the Sebastian Gorka show on Friday. Uh, so I'll be hosting his nationally syndicated show on Friday. I mentioned that earlier on, but beyond that, I'm not sure exactly where most of the rest of that came from. Um, but what I am going to do on Thursday and Friday and what I'm looking forward to, like I said, is examples of what made this, if you agree with me, um, the worst year of our lifetimes. Um, you don't have to agree. And again, it's not a personal thing. It's not about personal sadnesses, tragedies, developments, job losses, you know, uh, family illnesses, whatever. I'm just talking about as a country, the worst year. Uh, considering all things, if you have contributions for that, I'm going to put together a special show for Thursday and Friday in which I'm going to be featuring those, including some audio clips. Some, well, video won't do much good on the radio, but things that we'll pull up that we can share with people as to why that why that is. I'm also asking for people to tell me if I'm wrong and if there are good things that happened today, or excuse me, this year, in 2022. We'll shine a spotlight on those, too. And I just got a message from Brian Mike, who said... Um, on Facebook, he sent me a Facebook message saying, here's one good one. There are no more COVID lockdowns. Uh, that's a good thing. That is a development that certainly took place throughout as this year went out or went on. There are still COVID requirements, however, in far too many places, including masking uh, and far too many things like colleges and universities in which shots are still required to go to school or else you're going to have to take uh, your classes off campus by way of um, you know Zoom and that sort of thing. So... Uh, the COVID mess is still there, but you're right about no actual lockdowns. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks to Jim Jordan. Thanks to uh, Peter Kersenow. Thanks to my crew, Johnny and Marianne, and also Marcy. Thank you very much for listening as well. Uh, we got three solid shows left in this calendar year of 2022. Make sure you're back with us tomorrow, and we'll see you then. Everyone have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.